Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. A really uh, powerful message for you tonight. I always know when it's going to be good, when I start getting calls and texts that people aren't going to be here or or this or that. I just know God's got a good word. Amen? So it's going to be good, but I just want to do an icebreaker real quick while you're getting your notebooks and your Bibles out. Have you ever heard something on the radio? And uh, I was listening to 101.7. Maybe somebody else heard this today. Uh, I like. There's lots of different Christian radios. I think there's four that you can listen to. I listen to 101.7 the most because it has the least commercials. And, and except when they're when they're raising the money, then I switch it over to the other ones because <laughs> they take forever to get that. But I know they need to do it. But it's also the only one I can get with my broken antenna on my truck. So it comes in clear. But I was coming from Decatur today, and I heard this lady say this thing, and I was like, have you ever had somebody, heard somebody hit a nerve like, that's what I've been talking about. Has anybody ever got frustrated? And I'm, have you ever gotten frustrated with something? Let me see your hand if you've ever gotten frustrated with something. I mean really, really, really frustrated with something. And, you, and, and here it is. Here's mine. And I've been telling Carlos for a while. This isn't the only, this only thing, but this is a big one. Why is it so stinking hard to pay a bill nowadays? Have you noticed that? You're trying to call in or get online or whatever. Usually it's a call, and you're just trying to pay a bill. Can I get the last four digits of your Social Security? Can I get your license number? What's the name of your wife? What's your password? What was your kindergarten teacher's name? I mean, they're asking all these questions, and I'm thinking, I'm not, they're not, I'm not trying to, they're not trying to, uh, I'm not trying to give them money, or not just trying to take money from me. I'm trying to pay you to get you off my back, and you're going to ask me all these questions, make me not, not even want to pay it. Have has anybody else noticed that? It's, I, it has absolutely nothing to do with the message, but I just had to say that, because I was like, that is so frustrating. They got to change that. If so, what if somebody wants to pay your bill for you? Nobody could even pay your bill for you. Couldn't you be nice and pay someone's bill for them? Write down godly relationships and influence. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to start off in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to read a very important, powerful verse, and then we're going to come back to this kind of in the middle of the message. This is a very, very important uh, message and, and, and thing to talk about in church because how many know everything we're about is about relationships? Take the verse back down for a second. I put it up a little bit too fast. I need to say something before we read this. Get this if you don't get anything else, okay? If you, don't, if you, if you tune out or fall asleep or, or don't pay attention or whatever for the rest of the get this part right here. The relationships in your life, you've got relationships here in church. You've got relationships with your husband or wife, relationship with your kids, relationship with family members, relationship with people at work relationships with people here in the church we have lots and lots of relationships the number one relationship in our lives goes back to Sunday is we've got to have the right relationship with God when you are write this down when you are struggling with relationships in any area of your life and your vertical relationship with Jesus Christ and God is not right that's the first place you start to start fixing your relationship problems. I've seen lots of people over the years re- maybe come to the realization, which is important, that I've got a relationship problem, and they start to go work on fixing it with their spouse or with their kids, and, and, and fixing it is great, 
But they start doing that, and God is saying, hey, we need to get some things right up here first. So when your vertical relationship with God is right, all the horizontal relationships fall into place. How many get that tonight? So that goes without saying, but I needed to say it before we get into this because I'm going to focus tonight a lot on, on our horizontal relationships, the relationships around us. But always remember, if there's a relationship problem, go to God first and make sure you and God are in the right place and you're in the right relationship with Jesus and your heart's right with God and he's Lord of your life and then he'll be your partner in helping you get the other relationships right. So here's one of the most specific, powerful verses in the Bible. We'll put it back up about relationships in the Bible. And it says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. This is a, a, a major problem in, in, in Christians' lives. And, and a lot of Christians in, don't get this. And they, and they never walk a victorious life because they don't understand the balance between being in the world... And living with people who aren't Christians and being yoked up to people who are not Christians, not believers. It says, what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? So they, it's like oil and water, they don't mix. They don't mix. They can be around each other. And, and that's what we need to have, the attitude of that we're, we're oil and the world's water, or we'll be water, the oil, however you want to look at it. We can be around each other, but we don't mix. We don't combine. We don't yoke up together. And that's what he's saying. He says in another verse, you, you can't not be around unbelievers because you wouldn't be able to live in this world. We're supposed to be light and an example to the people who are unbelievers. But the problem is too many Christians today are yoked up in fellowship. And maybe tonight here, maybe not, you're here. And, and some of your closest friends, the closest people in your life are not believers. And you're yoked up with them. And hopefully this will help you realize that tonight. One of the things that God starts to teach us to do when we get saved is to change our relationships. To change them. And, and, and by the way, I have absolutely zero uh, examples for this. I'm not preaching this because of something I know. I'm not preaching this because of something I saw. I just felt led of the Holy Spirit to preach a, a message on relationships. And I think it's really important. And, and it might even be something I preach again next Wednesday if I don't get through the whole thing tonight. But it's vitally important. 1 Corinthians 15.33, many of you have heard this verse, says, Don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits and in the new english translation it says bad company corrupts good character how many would like to have good character tonight how many would like to have good habits tonight hopefully everybody amen we want to have good habits we want to have good character and we want to make a difference in this world as believers and we have to understand that when you're hanging around the wrong people and this is especially a good message for the teenagers who are in school, you're around a lot of people, you're, you're around a lot of influences. That's why this says godly relationships and influence. I believe by the Holy Spirit some of the best advice I ever gave my daughters, and I believe, and I, I meant to ask them today just individually to see if they got it or not, but I believe that they did. I would say it over and over again to them, is I would tell them when you are in, around different people, there's, there's something that's going to happen. You're either going to be the influencer or you're going to be the influenced. 
And I believe I said that to my, I can see my daughter's head moving over there. I believe I said it to them enough times in their growing up as teenagers that whether they caught it or not, and I believe they did, or whether they believed it or not, I believe they did, they heard it a lot, and it's the truth. You, when you get around one other person, and we're going to see this in a few minutes, one person is going to influence the other. If you notice that, it can be in conversation, it can be in, in whatever, but there's always constantly, nonstop in relationships, there's influence. Influence. And so I want to give you the definition of influence or influencer. How many want to be influencers tonight? We should want to, as believers, be influencers. Now, that doesn't mean that we cannot be influenced in a good way because that's why we have godly people we look up to. That's why we have discipleship. That's why we have someone who disciples us and mentors us. We look at a marriage that is an ideal marriage. We look at a, at a father or a mother that's an ideal or, or a business person or just a, just a believer alone, and we say, that's something that I want, and so we let them influence us. But God wants us to be influencers, and that's, we're, we're, we're called to influence people. And, and I was thinking about this today, too, I'm not going to really share the verses, but I want you to think about this. Jesus always had multitudes around him, right? He was always around multitudes of people. And, and let me ask you a question. Were they influencing Jesus or was Jesus influencing them? Always. That's the kind of influence I want to be. He was always the influencer. And so he is our example. And, and, and sometimes he had 500 disciples around him. And then that, that discipleship group would get down smaller. One time he sent out 72 disciples. And then we know that the 12 disciples walked with him. But how many know that there was three disciples who were his closest friends? Peter, James, and John. I would say, and I think this is a true statement tonight, that if you find in your lifetime three good friends, real friends in your life, you are a blessed person. I mean real friends. Not just someone that you call a friend, but real friends. And, and, and here's the thing. I don't think that you can have a lot of, and here's the day we live in, Facebook and Instagram. Oh, how many friends do you have? Well, I have a thousand friends. A thousand followers, whatever, that's what we go by. That's, that's not real. Most of those people you'll never see in your life. It's interesting that you can be a friend with somebody on there. I don't know about you, but I see sometimes if I make a comment and I, and I make them a lot less now than I used to, I just every once in a while I'll post something about a grandchild or something, and sometimes I'll see someone's name there. I don't even know who they are. And that's, I'm like, who is, I wouldn't say that to them, but who is this person that's commenting on my grandchild's picture, you know? I mean, I'm not, I don't think they're a stalker, but... I can sometimes maybe recognize they're from high school or errors. You know, I don't know, but sometimes I don't know who they are, but they're my friend. But truly, Jesus had three close people in his life, and maybe you're thinking right now, who are your closest friends? Who are people that you can trust and call a godly friend? Here's what influencer is. One who exerts influence. A person who inspires or guides the actions of other people. Okay? One who inspires or in, uh, guides the actions of other people. You know, we have opportunities all the time. Say all the time. Say it again. All the time. Every day. 
We have opportunities to influence. Sometimes the influence is small. Sometimes it's big. Sometimes it's a moment. Sometimes it's for an extended time. I, I, was, I, I think I've shared this before, but I was just thinking about it today for this message that my last season of playing professional in Costa Rica, uh, we, had a, we had sponsors, and one of our sponsors for our team was Hooters. How many of you know what Hooters is? Guys are like, I don't know what Hooters is. <laughs> Wives are like, seeing if they'd raise their hand. I think everybody knows what Hooters is. It's a, it's a wing place, okay? That's just a wing place, right? So I knew what Hooters was, and it was pretty new in Costa Rica, and, and all, our team was super excited about the fact that we were sponsored by Hooters because after every game at home, our whole team would get to go to Hooters and hang out and eat all the food we wanted for free, and, and how many know if you're not saved? That's an awesome, exciting thing. But I had to make a decision as a Christian and a believer that I wasn't going to go. And my wife, I'm married. My wife wouldn't have had, she could have told me, you know what, it's no, we're married, no big deal. We can go to Hooters. But I made the decision as an influencer that I'm going to show my teammates that's not a place that I'm going to go. And for 18 home games we had or whatever it was, they never saw me at a game or at a Hooters restaurant. I don't know how much they wondered or, or, or questioned or asked where's Blake or whatever, but I made that decision that I have an opportunity to be an influence without even saying anything by not showing up to a place. I mean, no, that's what we have a lot of times is we can speak with our actions more than we can speak with our words. And so there, there's just opportunities that come all the time. Listen to this, Proverbs 13, verse 20 and 21 and I, and I guess as I'm reading this tonight, I'm thinking about this message. I'm talking about making decisions and being the influence on somebody else and, and, and living a life that is a godly life that other people will want to follow. Walk with the wise. How many know Proverbs is awesome? Walk, sometimes it's so plain and so easy. Walk with the wise and you'll be wise. Wow, right? associate with fools and get in trouble it's not that deep is it teenagers trouble chases sinners i mean oh trouble is everywhere but when you're a sinner and you're not jesus isn't lord of your life trouble chases you speaking of chasing i almost got ran off the road the other day Again, in Decatur, I was going off the 380 under Decatur and just got to about 40 miles an hour, and a truck flew by my truck, a red truck, swerved in front of me so fast that my truck moved. And then I heard sirens and looked back behind me, and the police officer chasing him almost ran me off the road. He wasn't going to stop, so I had to swerve off to the side, hit the curb, and I was good and everything. I wasn't going too fast, but someone was getting chased and they were in trouble I mean oh, it's stupid to run I thought to myself he, he might get a few miles down the road but he's going to get caught trouble chases sinners I don't want that and I know I'm not talking to anybody in here that's ever been chased for being in trouble I know nobody in here has ever been to jail no one's ever been arrested no, no, I know there's nobody like that in here so we don't even know what that means 
But here's what I want to be. While blessings reward the righteous. How many want to be on that side tonight? Where blessings reward the righteous. Now I want to give you just a quick lens. I'm going to ask you to go get that if you would. Quick illustration. How many like illustrations? We live out here in the in the Smith Brothers area of town. And so when you need an illustration, you just call Jimmy Smith. And he is right, he just takes you right over to his big old storage unit back there of antiques. And I said, Jimmy, I need a yoke. He said, Okay, I'm coming right now. He pulled over to my office, got in the truck, and we went over to the barn over there, the shed, and whatever you want to call it, and we got a yoke. So Landon's going to help me, and uh, I'm going to ask two teenagers. Jacob, if you come up here, and Junior, stand up next to Jacob. He told me you were his size. Let me see if we're right. Come on. All right. You did good, Jacob. Pretty good size guys here. Have either one of you ever been on a yoke? Tonight's going to be your first night. Now, here's the thing about this. This is Let's put 2 Corinthians 6.14 back up again. How many know when we're reading the Bible sometimes it doesn't make sense to us because we didn't live in those times, but here we are today, we can still see what a yoke is. Uh, I doubt that any of us have ever had a yoke put around our necks before, and tonight they're going to find that without that what that is. But here's the th- picture I want you to have. Don't be unequally yoked together. I think last year sometime, matter of fact, it was interesting, when I got in the truck to go get the yoke, Jimmy said, Oh, you preached on this last year about working together. And I said, yes, I did. Wow, that's pretty good. I said, but tonight's the exact opposite. I'm not going to talk about working together. I'm going to talk about yoking up with the wrong people. And then he started giving me these, all these examples. And I said, hey, Jimmy, you know, I can give you the microphone for two minutes tonight if you want to get out there and talk. He turned red and didn't say anything back to me. <laughs> Amen. But here's what I want you to think about. As teenagers especially, that yoke is always there, okay? Everywhere you go, you can just picture, Landon, just walk around them. Here, come out here in the middle a little, a little more. Just walk around them, and it just, it's always there. The, the yoke is always there, and the yoke is always calling us. And, what, and the chains on there are a good example. A yoke is pretty much bondage. I mean, you're tied to something, and you don't have any free will in it. Uh, Jimmy actually gave me an example. There's this guy if you may have seen him around this area, uh, named Randy, and he has these five or six mules and his uh, uh, wagon behind it, and it says, Jesus saves on it. And he goes all over the place and preaches Jesus and loves the Lord. He's a great guy. And he was saying something very interesting Jim, in this little message Jimmy gave me real quick. He said, when he has three up front and he needs to break in the one in the middle, he puts, he puts the two veterans on the side and puts the one in the middle that doesn't know what he's doing. And by the time the day is over, the one in the middle is trained. Because the two on the outside are going left and they're going right. And how many know the one in the middle doesn't have any, any power over where he goes? He just has to go left or he has to go right. And I see that a lot of times as the picture that can go either way. You, when you surround yourself with the wrong people, then you're going to be guided by those people. And if you're in a group of people, they're going to take you places you don't want to go. The devil's going to keep you longer than you want to stay. Or you can surround yourself with godly people. And they're going to help you, guide you, take you, especially if you're a new believer. You need to get around some godly people. 
Have some godly people on your left and on your right. Amen? I don't know what's so funny, but, oh, oh I see what's so funny. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> I got you, buddy. I got you. I got you. I saw people laughing. No, it's not. not look, this is love right here. Landon, remember who talk, you're talking to. I'm the sweat king, buddy. I got you. I got you. Sorry. It's hot, isn't it? All these people that love hot, huh? All these people. Why don't we put that on them? Let's put, let's, uh, yeah. You want my towel? Okay, here. <laughs> he wants more? Okay. All right, we're going to get the focus off of Landon. Let's flip it over. <laughs> okay, bring it over here. And you stick your head in there, and you stick your head in there. And then, Landon, you can go ahead and go sit down and cool down for a second. All right, so who's going to influence who? Let's see what happens. I have no plan here at all. I've not talked to you about this, had you sign anything, nothing, right? No no plan, no nothing. Just just who wants to go to that side? Oh, there you go. Go that side over there. Okay, they're kind of working together, but at one point, J Junior, you turn around and come this way, and Jacob, you stay over there by Landon. Junior, you come over here this way, and Jacob, you stay there by Landon. Come on, Junior. Jacob, go over to Landon. Okay, so there, there's the struggle. Okay, come back over together. Together, okay. That's, that's the will of two people in the power of influence. And there's always going to be, say always, always, it, there's always going to be a more powerful influence. At some point, they're pretty equally strong, I would say. And we could probably be here for a while of them going back and forth, pulling on each other, at some point, one is going to get tired and quit. You following me? At some point, could be five minutes, could be ten minutes, could be tomorrow. At one point, the will of one of them is going to break. And they're going to give in to the influence of the other. And that's the battle that we have in relationships. And it's why he says, don't be unequally yoked because two, un, two people who are not in the same, you guys go to youth together, you guys know each other, you're here at church together, but imagine if one of you wanted to start, maybe, one of you, maybe you just turn this way so everybody can see you. Maybe you, you said, you know what, I want to I wanna try smoke some weed. Just grab it, start lighting it up, and you wouldn't have no choice because you're yoked. You're tied in. Or maybe you want to watch some pornography or maybe you want to listen to some ungodly music. That influence eventually is going to wear off on the other person. And I just want you to picture that this is what we look like when we're with unbelievers. But like I said in the beginning with Landon, when he was just holding it by himself, the, we, don't, we don't have to be a part of that yoke until we choose to yoke up with it. It's there. Sin is always right there. But at some point, we yield our spirit to sin. And we know what James says, that when you do that, it leads to death. And at some point, the will to say no, to say no, to say no stops because the influence is so strong. And finally, you get under the yoke. And then, then you're stuck for a while. 
And, and like I said, the devil wants to keep you a lot longer than you want to stay. And, and this is going to lead into, in a second, what happens in relationships in, in church sometimes and sometimes even happens in relationships in families. And this is why sometimes we have to cut our relationships. And we have to say, because e- even for, let's say Junior says, you know what, I'm, I want to I get, get rid of this lifestyle. Jacob's not, and I'm not trying to choose which one I could go either way. Jacob's you're not being a good influence on me. How'd I get here? calls his youth leader John John comes up and helps him and and so he starts so start start to go ahead and get yourself out of that you just kind of but then but then you're worried about dropping breaking his neck you know so you can't just let it go so someone's got to come and help you you know it's it's not an it's an easy thing to get out put your head back in there a second but that's not how it would work because I would pull this up what go hey put your head down let me know when it hits your neck. See, I forgot to do that part. And that's not even that tight. You might have the better side over here. Yep. All right. Are we there yet? Nice bow tie. How many know Satan's not going to let go that easy? We have the power in Jesus, but this this is the picture, church, of being unequally yoked. And it doesn't look good, does it? So when we read that sometimes, it's not that, it's not that big of a deal, but Len, you want to come sweat some more? Just kidding. You guys go over there, help, and Len, it'll help you get out. Let's give our, our contestants a big hand, amen. Just follow him all the way out. You guys can go outside if you want so they don't have to watch you. That's what I would do. So, back to the family. I want to kind of hit the family for a second. You know, this, this is an area where one of our biggest, I believe one of our biggest jobs as a church is to get the family in order. I mean, you know, that's what God wants. And I want to define again tonight, you know, I was thinking about this today. I was looking at, trying to find when that message was that I preached about the, the yoke when I, and I couldn't find it. But I was looking back at all these videos for the last year or two that are online and you know I was thinking to myself whenever the the stuff gets heavy and and the government wants to come down on us and and say what we've said and say say, you know what I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna go to jail fast because because we just preach the gospel in here amen we say what the bible says and I'm just gonna do it again tonight and it's on record of what the family definition of a family is. Is that all right? The Bible says that a biblical family is one man and one woman in a covenant of marriage. Married by the court and by the church. Amen. Can I get a better amen? It's one man and it's one woman in a covenant of marriage and, and then they decide if they want to have no kids or one kid, or two kids, or three kids, or five kids, or how many kids they want to have, and that's a, that's a biblical definition of a family, and then that family, under the headship of the father, leading the wife, and leading the family, says, we are going to, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, and that's the goal, 
that every, every one of us in here tonight should have, that we would learn our roles. I don't have time to go into all that tonight in detail, but I do want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 6 because one of the biggest attacked things to a family is that covenant marriage. We've seen so many people in our church, for the glory of God, get married. I believe there's probably new converts in our church tonight here tonight or or coming to our church on Sundays or whatever that maybe they're in that place where they're starting to realize I'm I'm saved now and now I see what the Bible says about my 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 relationship with God and now I'm going to start getting my relationships in order with God amen godly relationships and godly influence so first Corinthians chapter 6 look what this says and both God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. And then it says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then, and these are some of the most definitive verses in the Bible about uh, sexual immorality, shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that who is joined to a harlot is one body with her, And this is the quote from Genesis, all the way back in Genesis. For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one with spirit with him. Flee. This is one of the few places in the Bible that the Bible tells us to flee. This is a strong word. Flee sexual immorality. Okay? Now, what is the sexual immorality? Why am I hitting this point? Because this is the biggest area I believe, I'm the one with the microphone, in my opinion, this is the biggest, most strongest, hardest fought area in the relationships of a family. And if you don't believe that, just leave that up for a second, if you don't believe that, look at our world and look at our government and look at the governments around the world. And what their agenda is. I've been telling close friends, and I've told you as a church for a long time, and I will not stop saying this because I believe with all my heart, that sexual, uh, what's the word, sexual um, preference, I know it's a better word, uh, orientation. Sexual orientation is going to be and is the thing that is going to move in the future and is already moving the division of left and right. Because when you are reading the Bible and you're seeing what the Bible says a family is and a man is and a woman is and sexual orientation is, you have truth there that you must live by that you cannot bend. And the world is saying, no, we're going to start teaching our kids in kindergarten that they can choose if they want to be a boy or a girl. We're going to teach them that. Not we're going to deal with that when it comes up. We're going to put it in the curriculum and teach our kids. And that's in kindergarten now all the way up through high school. But that's starting pretty, pretty young, as young as you can get to give this ideology to these people. And why am I saying this? Because the perversion is unbelievable. I saw a a post yesterday. I don't need to quote who it was. doesn't matter. Some of you you would know who it is. Some of you you wouldn't. Some of you. That was Texan. Amen. 
or New Yorker, I don't know what that was. Some of y'all would recognize, but it was posting that they couldn't believe it, they thought it was a joke, that in Salt Lake City at some of Westminster, I think, school, college, they have a class called 3000 Pornography. And they're literally, it's a class in college, and they're going to watch hardcore pornography for the whole semester as a class in Utah. And that was the post that they could not, there was, it was West, I think Westminster.edu, whatever. And, 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 and they were going to talk about how it affects society and, and race and all these different things. And that's what they're going to do for a semester is watch pornography and talk about it. Now, and I've told you before that the, 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 the pornography industry makes more money than all the sports put together in the world. Why am I talking about sexual immorality? Why am I talking about fornication? Why am I talking about adultery? Because it's the thing that hits the heart of God the hardest. Because it's his greatest gift. It's how families start. It's how families procreate. It's how the world goes from the gift of God and the world has taken it and perverted it and messed with it. And so he says, flee sexual immorality. In other words, flee everything, say everything, that has to do with anything. Come on with me. Flee everything that has to do with anything that's outside of those parameters of marriage. So if you're not married, you shouldn't be talking about sex, thinking about sex, looking at sex. I don't care if you're 10 or 50. Because when you do, you are sexually immoral. Y'all didn't know it was going to get deep. At, at, at the, you thought relationships. Those going to be kind of, just think of the yoke again. Every time you pull out your phone, every time you have a thought, you're yoking yourself to the enemy. It says flee it. Here's why. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. I thought about preaching this on Sunday, but Wednesday night is our discipleship service. So we need to pass this on to the Sunday folks. It's not that I'm afraid to preach it on Sunday, but I just felt like the Lord wanted me to preach it tonight, and I hope that everybody who needs to hear it will be here or listen to it online. Share it with people if you want. But church, this is where the rubber meets the road. And you think, what does this have to do with relationships? And what has everything to do with relationships? Because you husband, how you look at your wife, and wife, you how you look at your husband, and how your kids act and all these has everything has to do with the influence of sexual immorality in your lives. When there's purity in the family, sexually, the family's pure. I know that's not that that's not deep. It's pretty easy. It's like he who walks with wise people's wise. Well, the family who doesn't delve in sexual immorality isn't sexually immoral. So the family who is, 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 whether it's the kids or it's the parents or it's a little bit of both or, or, or a couple is living together, shacking up together, 
like many of you were, amen, and many of you now are married, praise God. And thank God that you had a church and a pastor that preached the truth and showed you that if you didn't change, you weren't going to make heaven your home. Can I get a better amen? Read the next verse. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Amen? Now, I'm not going to read it tonight, but verse 9, you can read it later, says fornicators, I just chose the sexual ones, fornicators, adulterers, and homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. That means that when you are living that lifestyle and you know it's wrong, you are yoked. And the only way that you can get off that yoke is to change. Get out of the adulterous situation. Get married if you're living in fornication. Come out of that lifestyle if you're dabbling in, dabbling in homosexuality. And get to the, to the place where God ordained you to be. And then you can make heaven your home. If you don't, church, I'm just, don't shoot the messenger. But I want you to start thinking from tonight forward how much sexual immorality. I want you to start thinking in your family of any problems that you have in relationships. I don't think I've ever said this in 30 years of preaching, but I believe it tonight more than I ever have. Are you with me? Are you with me still? I want you to start thinking of problems you have in your relationships, and I want you to see how tied they are to some kind of hole or door opened to sexual immorality. And it will always be there. It'll be the root of every single problem because it's the, it's, the, it's the place the devil knows he can do the most damage. Colossians chapter 3, 18 to 25. This would be good homework to read. I might pick up on this some more next week. Here, here's the roles of the family, relationships, wives. I don't have time to go into all this tonight. I could preach a whole message off just these two verses. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. This is New Living Translation. Children, when you feel like it, obey your parents. When you agree with them, obey your parents. Always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Now, obviously, this is talking in a Christian home with the parents asking them to do Christian things. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, that's workers, obey your bosses in everything you do, Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. This is relationships. Work willingly at whatever you do. As though you were working for the Lord. Here, here, I'm going I'm to change this a little bit. In your relationships, handle your relationships as if you would handle your relationship with Jesus. With people. And do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. Go back a second. As if you're doing it for the Lord rather than people. So you do it as unto the Lord. Okay? 
24. Remember that the Lord, how many know the, the Lord keeps good books? He, he keeps good books. Remember the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. And that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you'll be paid back for the wrong you've done. For God has no favorites. I'm here thankful that God doesn't have any favorites. This is relationships. This is influence. This is, this is God telling you in his word, I want you to have a great family. I want you to have a great marriage. I want you to have a great relationship with your kids. I want you to have a great relationship with the people in your church. I want you to have a great relationship with the people you work with. But you've got to understand that, you, that you're, the way you treat everybody else has to be the way you treat me. And maybe sometimes the way we treat others doesn't line up with the way our relationship is with God, and we need to get that right first. Amen? So who's influencing us? If God is influencing us tonight, then we're going to want to make our relationships better. We're going to want to influence other people. Ephesians 4.29 says this, watch, let no corrupt word, and, and the New English says, no unwholesome talk proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. First Peter 4 8, and above all things, have fervent love one for another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. And the last verse before we pray, First Thessalonians 5 11, encourage each other. How many could be better encouragers? How many want to be better encouragers? And build each other up. And then he gives us the benefit of the doubt, just as you are already doing. Father, tonight, this is an area that's dangerous and difficult and hard, trying, sometimes very convicting, that we don't have the relationships that we want. There's been many people hurt in here. There's been many people who have had broken relationships. Many people who maybe just didn't know. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, you're revealing some things to us tonight. You're showing us some areas in our life that we need to get right with you. Lord, the purity of our minds is a great place to start. Churches, you're praying tonight. I just want to remind you how important it is. And I speak this from experience as your leader. How important it is that you take care of what you watch and what you listen to and what you allow to influence you. Because as you saw with that yoke, there's always going to be an influencer. When you're watching TV or watching Instagram or looking at Facebook or looking at your phone, you're not influencing your phone or the TV. But that TV and that phone can definitely influence you. Who are you friends with? Who do you allow to motivate you every day? Is it the world or is it godly people? What drives you? What challenges you what causes you to be the person that you are 
Is it the world or is it godly people? Because in every area that you work in in your life, no matter how hard you try, that yoke's going to be there. And it's going to be calling your name. And if you're not strong in the Lord and you're not strong in your relationship with Jesus, at some point you're going to find yourself yoked up, unequally yoked with that unbeliever, with that coworker, with that family member. And Jesus is calling us tonight to be free. He's calling us to be free from bondage and free from that yoke. And he says, if, if you're... If you're burdened tonight, come to me. And he says, my yoke is easy. So church tonight, the one we should yoke up with is Jesus. We should tie ourselves to Jesus. We should commit ourselves to Jesus. It goes back to Sunday. We should say, God, I want Jesus to be Lord over every area of my life tonight. And if you're living in some kind of sin tonight, some kind of habitual sin that you're practicing, maybe it was one of the things I mentioned, maybe it was something else, tonight you come to the altar and you say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I want to be free from this bondage. I don't want to be yoked up anymore with this spirit that's driving me to do things I don't want to do, to think things I don't want to think, to go places I don't want to go. If you just stand tonight all across this place, we're going to pray. The Holy Spirit speaking to us. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never heard a gospel message. You saw those two young people yoked up together and you saw a picture of maybe where you're at. That's your, that's your life if you're not saved tonight. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're yoked up with the devil. And his plan is to take you to hell with him. The Bible says he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his plan. He's not playing games. Tonight, if you're here and you've never said, Jesus Christ, I know that you're my Savior, and I know I want to change my life, and I want to be free from bondage, and you've never done that tonight, I want you just to lift your hand all over this place and say, would you pray for me right now? Just lift it up. Put it right back down. Say, I'm not saved. I see those hands. How many more? I've never said that prayer before. I've never said, Jesus, I, again, I hope you see that picture. That's the picture of, of you being dragged. Maybe it's fast. Maybe it's slow to hell. Unless you have Jesus, there's no way out of that. That cow cannot break out of that, out of that yoke. The master has to come and release it. There's no way. As strong as they are, they can't get out of it. They're stuck. Tonight, Jesus is here to pull that yoke off you and to make your burden light. He died on the cross so he could break that chain off you. Maybe you're here tonight and you knew Jesus at some point in your life. Maybe you're watching online or listening on the podcast and you couldn't make it tonight or you couldn't be here or something kept you from being here or you're watching in another state or you're watching in another place and you need Jesus tonight. We're going to say a prayer for you too. I can't see your hand, but I know you're out there. Jesus is going to change your life tonight. If you're here and you're backslidden, you're running from God. You knew him at one point in your life, but tonight you're not serving him. You're not living for him. Lift your hand up and say, pray for me tonight, Pastor. That's me. All over this place. Quickly, 
from front to back and side to side, I want to ask you to do one more thing. It's not to embarrass you. It's because it's what the Bible says to do. We make a public confession of our faith. We've all done it in here. We say, I'm not ashamed to give my life to Jesus. I want him to cut that yoke off me tonight. If you raised your hand and you meant it, would you just find that nearest aisle of where you're standing and just come down here to the front? Just step out and come on down. Amen. I saw some hands go up. Just come on down. Don't be ashamed. Come on. Just you lifted your hand. Come on down. Praise the Lord. Come on. Church, this is what we're here for tonight. Amen. Praise God. Lord, we thank you tonight for this couple. We're going to say a prayer that's straight out of the Bible that says, Jesus said, if you'll believe in me, he who were dead would live. He basically says, when you die, you're going to live because he went to the cross and he died for us and then he rose from the dead. The Bible says we're all sinners. I gave an example on Sunday that even that little six-month-old baby's a sinner. They know, you tell them no, and they still touch it. We're sinners when we're born. And the Bible says we're born in sin, but Jesus came to break that sin off of us. And if you'll just put your faith in what Jesus did, and that's why you raised your hand, because he was knocking on the door of your life tonight. And he, he said, let me in. You said, I'm letting you in. You're smart people. Amen. This is better than if I were to give you, a, I don't have a million dollars, but if I did, it's better than a million dollars. It's life-changing. It's eternal. The Bible says that this is what your sins look like tonight, and then when you put your faith in Jesus, this is what they look like. Washed as white as snow, gone forever. Anything you've ever done in your life is going to be forgiven tonight. And when you walk out of these doors, the Bible says you're going to be a new creation. I mean, that's like standing in front of the judge, and he says, free innocent tonight if you just say this prayer from your heart those that are watching online say this with me those that are here let's say this all together Lord Jesus tonight I believe in you because you've made a way for me to be saved Jesus I believe what your word says that you died on the cross for my sins God sent his son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Tonight, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me from all of my sins, everything I've ever done, every mistake I've ever made. I confess it to you. Take it away. Wash me clean in your precious blood. I believe you rose out of that grave and defeated death. And tonight I'm saved. I am born again. I am a new creation in Jesus' name. From this day forward, I'm going to listen to your voice, and I'm going to learn from you, and I'm going to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, Go to our website at vwotexas.com.